Hello and welcome back to another edition of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, February 13th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter, back with you on a victory Wednesday for Michigan State and another episode of Locked on Spartans, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. So on today's show, we're going to talk about what was... uh, Overall, not just by the result in Madison, but uh, a very, very good night for Michigan State. Went perfectly, um, in fact, uh, in terms of other results around the Big Ten in the country. Uh, but we're going to you know, focus on what happened in Madison. Uh, Michigan State goes to Wisconsin, gets a 67-59 to win. Uh, really impressive road win, a place that you know, Michigan lost earlier in the season. So uh, just a, a huge win for Michigan State and a huge night overall with uh, Purdue and Michigan both losing uh, and tying the Big Ten race. Three-way tie at the top uh, in the loss column. Purdue's a half game back because they have played one last conference game. Uh, but three losses each now in conference play for Michigan State, Michigan, and Purdue. So uh, I'm going to start the show off kind of on that topic, talking about the Big Ten race and where it stands right now, and then uh, segments two and three, uh, I'll, I'll talk specifically about this game, uh, Michigan State going into Wisconsin and getting a huge win. So before we do that, follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one l two underscores. Email the show lockedonspartans at gmail dot com. Rate review, subscribe to the podcast. I appreciate all of that, and I all appreciate all you guys listening to the show. Uh, each and every day, we do this five days a week, half an hour shows dedicated to the world of Spartan athletics. All right, let's uh, let's talk about the Big Ten standings uh, and what is going on there after a crazy night in the conference. Okay, so uh, Michigan finally gets their dumb loss <laughs> that uh, seems to be you know the the thing that was plaguing Michigan State last week is now spread to Michigan. Uh, they go to Penn State. Uh, John Beeline gets ejected, and uh, I'm going to piggyback everyone who's saying if you are an official and you uh, get John Beeline so mad to the point that you have to tee him up twice and throw him out of the game in a minute span, uh, you're doing something wrong. You messed up. Um, That is just... um, (laughs) He's like the nicest, most mild-mannered dude ever. So to see him going off... Uh, and getting tossed was kind of crazy. And then Penn State holds on for dear life at the end and, and gets a victory. So that coupled with Purdue going to Maryland in what is, uh, you know, not, you know, a, an expected loss, but definitely a loss that isn't crazy. Maryland's really good. Uh, they're a good team uh, and have been pretty solid at home this year uh, if you get rid of that Seton Hall blip on the radar. Um, so. Big win for Maryland over Purdue puts Purdue at ten and three in conference play. Michigan and Michigan State both at eleven and three. And I just want to take this time here to kind of look forward uh, and and see you know where you know where is everyone sitting right now? These three teams. I think it's going to come down to although Maryland uh, is ten and four and kind of right behind the leaders there, but uh, Michigan State has the uh, the tiebreaker over them. They only play once a season. Michigan State got it. Uh, and Maryland still has to play Michigan twice, which is going to be tough for them. So, <clears throat> excuse me, just looking forward, Michigan State 
has you know six games left in the conference and uh, four of the six are at home. And that's Ohio State, Rutgers, Nebraska, and Michigan. Outside of the Michigan game, uh, you know, Michigan State's head and shoulders better <clears throat> than those teams. And Ohio State has gone through some really, you know, tough spots, rebounded a little bit after a, a tough stretch where they lost like five of six. But those should all be wins. Those are three wins that, that you should should pretty much be able to guarantee right now. And then road against Indiana, uh, I would think that would tend to go Michigan State's way. I know Indiana beat Michigan State at the Breslin Center, uh, but Indiana's not a great team. Uh, and, you know, they had that long losing streak. They beat Michigan State, and then they lost two more games. So uh, they are what here? Uh, started off 3-0 and in conference play and are 1-9 and cents. So, I would think Michigan State would be able to get that game. And then you got the two against Michigan, and I think it's fair to say a split there with each home team winning is kind of the the projected thing. So if we take that out, that's, um, let's see, Michigan State's 11-3 and three right now, so that's 16-4 and four in conference play. Uh, looking over at Michigan's remaining schedule, they do have some tough games. I mean, you know, they got a home and away with Michigan State and a home and away with Maryland. Uh, other than that, they got Minnesota on the road. Uh, and they've got Nebraska at home, and I would expect them to win both of those. Uh, what you're hoping for is a split with Maryland, a road loss with Maryland, uh, and then Michigan can kind of, you know, they, they, they the loss to Penn State really hurts them in terms of who's left on their schedule. They have the toughest remaining schedule by far between Purdue, Michigan State, and themselves. So uh, they're only projected to lose one more game, uh, but there's other ones that are close enough that, you know, away at Maryland and home at Michigan State, they could, you know, lose one of those games uh, or both of those games and end up 15 and 5, 14 and 6. But I would think, you know, sitting at 11 and 3, now you split with Michigan State, that's a fourth loss. And if they're able to get that road win against Maryland, they can stay in this thing. Uh, and, it, you know, if they can go to the Breslin Center at the end of the season and get that win. You know, that one could still very much be for the Big Ten title, uh, depending on how Michigan fares against Maryland, but they definitely have the toughest stretch, uh, you know, to finish out the season here. And that brings me to Purdue, who I would, if I had to wager right now, I would say is the odds-on favorite to win the Big Ten. They have, uh, what are they, they're 10-3, and three, so they've got seven conference games Remaining four are on the road, but here are the road games. Indiana, Nebraska, Minnesota, Northwestern. I just talked about Indiana's struggles. That's a huge rivalry game, so it is going to be tough for Purdue to go in there and get a win, but I think they're better enough. Uh, like There's enough of a margin there between them and Indiana. They're better than Indiana by enough that they'll be able to get that win, but that is one where you could see it maybe not going their way. Uh, same with Nebraska. Nebraska's a good team still. Uh, you know, 35th in Ken Palm, and that's a 57% chance of Purdue winning that. So two tough-ish road games, but other than that, home against Penn State, home against Illinois, home against Ohio State, and then on the road twice against Minnesota Northwestern to finish the season. Purdue could win out. Uh, I don't think it's crazy to think that they could finish this seven straight wins, finish 17-3. and three. They're better than every team they're going to play, uh, and they're projected to win all their final games. Uh, but their projected record is 15 and five in the conference because some of these games are just really close, right? You know, a 57% chance of victory is worth 0.57 wins. 
uh, 63% chance of beating Indiana on the road's worth .63 wins. So right there, you kind of, you know, you lose almost a win, and if that makes sense in terms of projecting, even though individually they're supposed to win both of those games, it's more likely that they go one and one. The most likely outcome is that they split Indiana and Nebraska, but they could win out. They um, have the easiest schedule remaining, uh, I think, significantly easier than uh, Michigan and Michigan State. And I would think, despite them being the third best team in this little run here, uh, Michigan and Michigan State are fourth and, or sixth and fourth in Ken Palm, respectively. And then Purdue is number nine, so they're right up there. Uh, so they're the third best team remaining here in this in this group of three. But they have uh, what I see is the easiest schedule. Four road games is going to be tough, but none of them are against upper echelon teams in the Big Ten, kind of middle of the pack to the bottom of the conference. So. That's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I will say that, like I said, Ken Palm has Purdue projected to finish 15-5, and five, picking up two more losses, uh, just because, you know, they're not projected to just crush anyone. They're, like, Illinois at home and Penn State at home are their two games that they're most likely to win, but they have a bunch of games that are closer to coin tosses. Uh, then you know outright wins. Whereas Michigan State has a lot of games that you can kind of just lock away. It's Michigan on the road, and then everything else uh, aside from that is pretty much guaranteed. Like eighty-six percent chance of beating Ohio State, ninety-six percent chance Rutgers, seventy-four, eighty-seven, sixty-eight. So uh, their projected record in conference play is sixteen and four, and Michigan's is fifteen and five. So Ken Palm still has Michigan State projected to win the Big Ten. By a game, uh, dropping only that road game against Michigan. But it is, like I said, it's very possible that Michigan can, uh, you know, get if they can get through Maryland on the road, that game against Michigan State at the Breslin Center could be for all the marbles. And if Purdue does their, their job and, and they beat teams that they are better than, that they should beat, that they're projected to beat, uh, you know, Purdue could also win this thing outright by, by finishing out the season uh, with seven straight wins. And the thing about it is, so like like I said, Michigan picks up a, a bad loss, right? Losing on the road, sure, it's on the road, but it's Penn State, a team that prior to that game, uh, let's see, what was that their second? Yeah, that was their second conference win, beating Michigan. So very, very similar to what Michigan State ran into with Illinois, although we talked about it a little bit. Illinois had won. A few games, right? They beat Maryland. They beat Nebraska before beating Michigan State. And since uh, have beat Rutgers. So they've won four or five. So it's a little bit less, uh, I guess, of a bad loss if you want to compare the two. But they're both bad losses. Uh, And Michigan State has the additional bad loss of losing to Indiana at home. So Michigan State's kind of got two bad losses in conference play. Michigan has one. And Purdue doesn't have any. Purdue's three losses are, you know... Away at Michigan, away at Michigan State, away at Maryland. Three road losses to number whatever you want to go one, two, and five in the conference. Um, that is respectable. They've you know they've beat everyone they're supposed to beat. They beat Wisconsin on the road, a game they probably shouldn't have won. They got Michigan State back at their place, uh, so they've done their job in terms of winning the games they're supposed to win. Uh, but you know, it's it's the Big Ten. A lot of teams are good. Indiana and Nebraska, while Indiana's gone through some struggles, they still have good players, as we saw, 
as Michigan State knows, Nebraska is still a good team. Ohio State has gone through struggles, but there's still talent there. There are games Purdue can lose. And so if Purdue drops a silly game uh, like Michigan State has, like Michigan just did, uh, they can find themselves uh, on the outside looking in, finishing second or third in the conference. So that's kind of what you got to root for is Purdue uh, in one of these more coin flip toss-up type games uh, coming out a bit flat and not playing well on the road in one of their four road games. That's that's Michigan State's biggest advantage, I would think, if you're comparing them to Purdue. Purdue has four road games left. Michigan State only has two. And we know uh, firsthand from what happened at Illinois, and Michigan knows firsthand what, from what happened last night, winning on the road in, in the Big Ten uh, can be tough, even if you're playing a team that is not up to your par in terms of talent or things like that. So uh, super interesting conference title race. Uh, it's going to be really fun. Uh, you wish it was less fun because if Michigan State had just taken care of their business uh, against Indiana and Illinois like they are capable of, then you know Michigan's loss to uh, Penn State last night would have essentially, for all intents and purposes, wrapped up the Big Ten regular season for Michigan State uh, ha- after beating Wisconsin on the road because all they got to do is split with Michigan and it's guaranteed over. And if, you know... We don't need to go down that path. It's a hypothetical path, but it's going to be an exciting race to the finish, uh, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. Hopefully Michigan State can do enough, catch a break with Purdue, uh, losing a game or two that they shouldn't, and end up winning the conference at 16-4 and four, or even 17-3 and three if they find a way to win uh, at Chrysler. So, All right, let's break right there. When we get back, we will talk about this uh, big win for Michigan State, the reason you're probably <laughs> listening to the show uh, so we'll do that right after this quick break. But real quick, uh, got an important favor to ask you, uh, and it won't take too much time. We put together a survey so that we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcast even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like, what you don't like, uh, and it's it's a survey. It shouldn't take too long. And by participating, you actually enter for a chance to win a two hundred and fifty dollars Vivid Seats gift card. So that's pretty cool. All you do is go and locked is go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. That's LockedOnPodcasts.com slash survey. You answer a few questions, uh, like I said, what you like, what you don't like, how it can be better, uh, and that's all, and you're automatically entered for a $250 Vivid Seats gift card, so that'd be real cool if you could uh, win that and get yourself to a a couple games on Vivid Seats. So we appreciate the feedback. One more time, LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Okay, welcome back to segment two of Locked On Spartans. Let's uh, let's talk about that win. Uh, 67 to 59. Michigan State goes into Madison and gets a win over the number 20th ranked Badgers. Uh, it is always so good to go into Cole Center and come out with a win. Uh, even last year when Wisconsin was uh, you know, not as good, it was a tough game. 
uh, and we had to deal with Brad Davis and crap. Uh, and today, or last night, uh, Ethan Happ, you know, was doing the things and getting points, and he ends up with 20 points and 12 rebounds. And, you know, it's just a pain to play there. The fans are kind of annoying and, and complain even more than your typical fan base, and that's probably not fair for me to say because uh, objectively I don't know if maybe the Breslin Center, is, uh, the zone does the same thing. I don't pay attention to it like I do when other teams uh, are, are visiting Michigan State, but I definitely pay attention to it when MSU's on the road. Uh, but either way, it's just great to go in there and get a win uh, because there's just something about it's like Wisconsin, Iowa, Purdue, especially in basketball. There's always this sense of uh, Michigan State having sort of a target uh, given their success, uh, and these teams are and these programs are like. Like Iowa, Wisconsin, Purdue have all had a, a good amount of basketball success. Wisconsin, especially in Purdue, definitely has to, uh, like, you know, making Final Fours, winning conferences, making nice tournament runs. And so there's just like, but they're like a step below Michigan State, right, in terms of just Michigan State has more, uh, one more for longer under Izzo. And so there's that constant battle of them trying to get on our level uh, despite that, you know, they're good programs, but they want to become very good to elite programs. They want to consistently uh, win the conference, consistently make deep runs into March over an extended period of time. And so there's sort of that, that, that I don't know what it is. It's not like a little brother syndrome or anything like that, but it's just like you want to prove yourself. And I think that uh, adds more angst to these matchups and it makes us uh, look at them like, come on, like you're annoying right now. It's like you're just shut up know your place or whatever <laughs> even though it's still like even though like I said they're really good basketball programs and have had a ton of success but it's just good to keep them at bay right for another year like nope not yet it's not your time we're still here we're still the big dogs uh we still run this thing so always good to go in there and get a win a uh, number of players played really well for Michigan State uh they went seven deep on the rotation which uh going into the game, we weren't sure. I thought Kithier would see some minutes because I thought Kenny Goins would honestly be more banged up and less effective than he was. That was a very pleasant surprise. Uh, Kenny making three of six from three, none bigger than that that dagger at the end of the game. He goes for 12-9, uh, which is, uh, you know, in 35 minutes. I honestly thought he would play probably 20 minutes, and I thought those 15 minutes would have to go elsewhere. You know, a little bit more for Tillman and then 10 or 12 minutes for Kithier, just given how he played against Minnesota. But Kenny looked great. Uh, he battled. He was probably the MVP in the second half, hit a couple huge shots uh, along with Aaron Henry down the stretch. And so that was a pleasant surprise. And Michigan State ends up only going seven deep in the rotation. Uh, Cassius plays 39 of 40 minutes. Uh, not shocking. He got a brief spell in the first half with Foster Lawyer coming in about 10 minutes in, but he was on the floor every single minute other than that, which is you need to get through a game like this with him doing that. And then you just hope, you know, that's why he played 24 minutes against Minnesota. Like that's, that's why you need games where he can steal rest. You know, maybe he goes for 30 minutes against Ohio State, 26 against Rutgers, and then he's playing the full 40 against Michigan, right? Um, so Cassius, 39 minutes played, 23 points on uh, 4 of 10 from 2 and 4 of 7 from 3. Had a couple, man, I, I, if he could have, there's like a layup or two he missed and then an in-the-lane shot. Uh, it was a really great game either way, but 
uh, he could have been pushing on 30 points, and it was a quiet, you know, 23-6-6. Did have four turnovers. That little spell where Michigan State got sloppy in the first half, Cassius had some bad turnovers there. But other than that, uh, absolutely outstanding. Like, the dude goes for 23-6-6, and and we don't even flinch. We don't even, like, realize it. We're, we're talking about other things because it's just become expected, uh, which is totally unfair for him. Uh, but he absolutely continues to show up all the time and like good on him. He's the big 10 player of the year. Uh, I, I guess we'll, we'll continue to hear arguments for Carson Edwards and Ethan Happ and that's fine. They're good players, but Cassius Winston's the big 10 player of the year and should be in the running in the top three for national player of the year, given his minutes, how important he is to the team, how good the team is that he's on and just all the things he does to contribute to winning. Uh, aside from him, I thought that just down the line, everyone played really solidly. Matt McQuaid was awesome on Brad Davidson. Brad Davidson went two for eight from three and one for four uh, from two. One of those threes was at the end. He was one for seven on threes before that garbage time shot. That's McQuaid. McQuaid was absolutely hounding him. Uh, Nick Ward, not the most prolific night offensively, 12 points, uh, six rebounds, two assists, uh, had three blocks and a steal. Uh, he was awesome on Ethan Happ. Ethan Happ scored 20 points on 22-point attempts and went 0 for 6 from the line. Uh, that dude is a really good basketball player. Uh, and for him he's for him to score 20 points on 20 shots is a, just a terrible efficiency night for him. Uh, I know it's 50% from two, uh, and that's fine. But when you're taking every single shot near the basket, I don't think Ethan Happ, they said on the broadcast, he hasn't scored a single point outside the paint all season. Uh, and so when he's constantly getting shots, everything he does is around the basket like that. For Nick Ward to be soloed up on him primarily for the entire game and for him to limit him to 20 points on 20 shots is just awesome defense. Uh, and that was something I talked about uh, kind of in, in the pregame. I said if, if Ethan Happ gets 20 and no one else gets more than 10 or 12 uh, Michigan State's going to win this game, and Hap got 20, Davidson had 9, Reavers had 11 because he made three threes, good on him, uh, Demetri Trice, Khalil Iverson both with two points, and then Pritzel and King off the bench gave a little bit of a scoring punch, uh, nobody did anything for off Wisconsin offensively outside of Hap, and Hap was inefficient, uh, his offensive rating was 77, he had 6 turnovers, uh, and that's Nick Ward. Uh, they left him soloed up on him. His primary job tonight, yeah, he needed to score a bit, but his job was to make life hard on Ethan Happ, and he did just that. Uh, Tom Izzo said he played great, and when Tom Izzo says someone played great, like you're like, whoa, did he say great? No, he said great. Uh, so yeah, good. Like Nick Ward's been awesome the last two games, uh, and I hope. I was happy that Dan Dockich was giving him credit, say, hey, he was bad for a couple of games in a row, and then he came back, uh, got benched, came back, and just has been playing really well uh, and was awesome against Minnesota, especially defensively, setting the tone for that game and did it again this game. Um, Cassius Winston got the MVP for Ken Palm, but if I was just going to like hand it out based on who, who I thought <laughs> impacted winning the most that game, I'd be hard-pressed not to give it to Nick Ward for his work on the defensive end. So that was awesome to see. And just, gosh, the the leaps and bounds he's grown by, uh, the maturity, the defensive effort, all the little things, all that stuff. And still, you know, he's got the offensive game. It wasn't his most prolific night, and it, we knew it wouldn't be. The, the pack line defense, everyone's playing within two feet of the paint defensively almost the entire time except for the primary defender on the ball. 
So life is hard for Nick Ward. There's no dump off available for, you know, Cassius Winston getting to the rim, things like that. Like it's just tough as life is tougher uh, for post guys against that pack line defense. And Nick Ward didn't get probably as many touches as he earned with his effort, uh, but he still brought it every single possession defensively. You saw Hap getting frustrated, uh, turning it over, traveling, speeding up, you know, sliding his feet, picking up his pivot foot. Uh, just making silly mistakes, and that's a, a credit to Nick Ward. Uh, aside from him, you know, uh, Arns, I thought, played well in spots. Uh, Henry played well in spots. Uh, Goins hit some huge shots. Uh, Xavier Tillman, uh, did I say Tillman? I don't know. Tillman played well in spots as well. It was just like an all-around good team effort. Solid, you know, Xavier Tillman, 21 minutes with seven rebounds, three on the offensive end. He was battling the entire time. Had that amazing chase down block. Uh, Aaron Henry blocked two shots and grabbed five rebounds. That's awesome to see from him, those effort plays, and also had two steals uh, and made maybe the biggest shot of the game, that, that two-pointer from uh, from the elbow there driving into the lane. Uh, he's getting more comfortable taking big shots, and that's awesome to see. So uh, all in all, solid team effort, a bunch of really awesome things. And I just realized that I crushed my time on the segment. I'm way over. So I'm going to break right now real quick and come back and finish this thing up. Kind of start looking forward a little bit um, towards Ohio State. Actually, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to look forward at all. We'll do that later in the week. I'm uh, going to keep talking about this game and some other things uh, that I liked or maybe didn't like. So we'll uh, we'll do that right after the break. But first, hey, uh, if you got a smart car or a car that you talk to and it response to your commands, but I don't even know how to do this stuff. It's all over my head. But if you could talk to your car and tell it to like, hey, turn up the heat or hey, turn on this radio station or whatever, you can actually tell it to play this podcast. It's easy. All you do is say play podcast locked on Spartans and it'll play. The latest episode will play right in your car. How great is that? All right, back after this. Okay, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. So I kind of was wrapping up there with individual performances and things like that. As a team, I was kind of, you know, we, we joked a ton uh, on here and, and on Twitter about how this was going to be one of the worst games to watch all season, right? Just awful. Going to Wisconsin's always a sludge fest, mud, rock fight, whatever you want to call it. Uh and Wisconsin's going to sell out to stop transition to, to slow the game down and things like that. But I thought at times uh, Michigan State did a great job dictating pace, and that's huge. Um, this team is showing the ability to, uh, I don't know if it's the best fast break they've, they've ever had. They've had some really good ones. You know, the Denzel Valentine senior team sticks out as perhaps the best, at least in modern, you know, since, I don't know, 2010 or so. Um and before that, you know, there are some good running teams, but this team, like with Cassius running the break, uh, Nick Ward is, you know, I don't know because I don't see every single game, but enough smart people have said that he's the best rim running center uh, in the country, or at least one of the best. And then you've got guys that are sprinting to the wings. Matt McQuaid's a great transition three-point shooter, uh, you know, it was better when Langford was in there because he was good too, but Arns can get it done a bit. Uh, you know, Kenny Goins has become lethal on the pick and pop, but that's, you know, sort of out of transition. But trailing threes, Kenny Goins can hit well, and Cassius pulls up from three just as well as anybody in the country. Uh, this team is absolutely lethal on the break, and they're showing that they can put it on anybody. Uh, nobody 
very few teams in the country do more than Wisconsin to limit transition games, and Michigan State was still getting out and running. And they were even doing it to the point where Wisconsin was speeding up at times too, trying to push back a little bit, and that was playing right into Michigan State's hands. You know, they win this game by eight. It's a really close game coming down the stretch, and Michigan State makes winning plays, and Wisconsin misses some free throws and has some mistakes. And when, you know, I think it was like six minutes left until that garbage time three from Davidson before they, uh, or yeah, it was like, what, 18 seconds left. So they went from like six minutes to that garbage time three with 18 seconds left, not hitting a basket. Uh, all they had were some free throws. And that was, you know, the difference in the game. Uh, but outside of, you know, Michigan State was the better team for 34 of the 40 minutes, 32 of the 40 minutes. They had that sloppy stretch in the first half where they had a lead and they let Wisconsin go on a run, uh, and, and I think it went from a six-point lead to a two-point Wisconsin lead, and then Michigan or six-point Wisconsin lead, um, and then Michigan State rips off a 7-0 run, and, and you're right back in this thing, down one at halftime, and then they just put together you know a solid group of mini runs, 9-2, 7-0, 6-0, 6-3, stuff like that, uh, and then Wisconsin would, would claw back, but... You know, Michigan State for long stretches of this game was the better team, and I thought really worked hard and went into a really tough environment playing a team that is not fun to play against, is really difficult to play against, and kind of exerted their will for the most part. And if they didn't get sloppy uh, turnovers, like I said before the game, uh, Wisconsin doesn't turn opposing teams over. They're they're one of the worst teams, bottom third of the country at forcing turnovers. And Michigan State just had sloppy passes. They were, you know, they're running the break, and maybe sometimes they're trying too hard to run on a break when it's not there, and Cassius forces a bad pass, or, you know, just bad entry pass, or uh, kind of a slip pass. Cassius was driving to the lane, goes right through Xavier Tillman's hands. He had a couple go right through his hands. If it weren't for those moments of little sloppiness, Michigan State could have run away with this one. They were absolutely awesome and Wisconsin was kind of struggling for answers uh you know in that weird flagrant foul with Matt McQuaid like yeah that's a flagrant foul but it's bad luck that something like that would get called a flagrant one just because things like yeah it's the it's the rule I get it uh but jersey pulling happens a hundred times a game and for it to result in a flagrant one not just a flagrant one but a five-point trip where Michigan State's uh you know, I think they're up one or they're tied, and then all of a sudden Wisconsin's up a couple possessions. You know, if there weren't for a couple weird, sloppy moments in this game, uh, it could have been a bigger win for Michigan State. I think you saw just uh, a lot of, you know, 32 minutes of A game for Michigan State, 34 minutes of A game for Michigan State. And yeah, it's unlikely you see a full 40 ever from them, but I think that really elite offense is still there. They looked awesome at times offensively in this game outside of a few stretches like of, like I said, sloppy play. Uh, God, they, they got like, what, three, four possessions? Not even that. Off the top of my head, that went late into the shot clock. We're like, oh, my God, what the hell? Run offense. Someone take a shot. The shot clock's going to run out. They had a shot clock violation. They had a bad possession in the first half like that that I can remember. And then, honestly, one of the worst possessions of the game was the one at the end where Kenny Goins hit the, the dagger three uh, with two seconds left on the shot clock. Other than that, Michigan State ran a lot of really good offense, a lot of guys moving, good energy, good screens. 
uh, good ball movement that, you know, Wisconsin did some things. They're a really good defensive team, Wisconsin. They're seventh in defensive efficiency in the country. They did some really good things. They adjusted. They trapped Winston in high screen and rolls and things like that. And Michigan State just kept adjusting and finding ways out of it. And it really, like, if Ward was on the court, that, that was another spot. Like, Ward came out for a few minutes uh, in the second half there from, like, 12 to 8 minutes, that four-minute block, and the offense kind of bogged down a bit there. But it was that stretch and then the stretch of turnovers in the first half. Outside of that, Michigan State was awesome offensively against a really, really tough defensive team. Uh, and, you know, they score 67 points, which is, uh, oh, I just had it up. Why did I click it? Um, there's 65 possessions in the game, so 1.03 points per possession uh, isn't elite, uh, but against the number seven defense in the country, that's a, on the road, that's a job well done. So I just wanted to give kudos to that. After some uninspiring offensive play sometimes where against Illinois, Indiana, times against Purdue, they looked really bogged down in the half court and like that motiony, uh, like almost transition-like, free-flowing, tempo-y offense in the half court uh, wasn't quite there like we had seen it earlier in the season, and it seemed to come back the last couple of games. So that was uh, as impressive as anything was some of the offensive effort. And honestly, I didn't think Michigan State shot it all that well. They shot, um, you know, forty. it's 41% from three, which is nice, but they shoot 46% from two, which needs to be higher. Uh, and they missed some open looks. Kyle Arns missed a layup. Cassius missed a layup. Nick Ward missed a layup. Xavier Tillman missed a layup. Kenny Goins missed a layup. Um, you know, McQuaid missed a couple of short jumpers that you would think he could probably hit. So uh, the looks they got, they, they and if they would have just shot it a little bit better, they could have scored, you know, 72, 75 points. Uh, they were working really hard. The offense was working really well. Sometimes you just don't make as many shots as you'd like. Um, but they, you know, they made up for it with three point shooting, did a decent job at the line shooting 73%, uh, only got there 11 times because Wisconsin doesn't foul. Uh, they only draw charges. They don't, (laughs) they don't do them. They don't force them. I don't even know. Um, I just wanted to make fun of Wisconsin for flopping. Uh, but I thought the, the offense worked really well is the point of all this. And it looks a lot better, even though they didn't make as many shots as you would like, uh, and really, you know, Winston made his shots, Goins made a couple, Henry made his twos. Uh, other than that, the shooting wasn't great. And on a night, you know, like Arns missed two wide open threes, on a night where they shoot a little bit better from all over the court, um, that's a game where Michigan State can absolutely put a, a, an impressive number, like scoring 75 on Wisconsin. In Wisconsin would have been a cra- one of the most impressive offensive performances of the season. And if they shoot just a little bit better, hit some open shots, they would have done it. So uh, I know it felt like a little bit of a bog down game, but it just I thought Michigan State looked awesome offensively and just didn't hit as many of their open shots as they probably do in a typical night. All right, that is going to be it for today's show. What I'm going to do is uh, no show Thursday. Yeah, that's what because we got uh, here. Let me pull up the schedule real quick. I think, yeah, Ohio State Sunday. So we're going to do a Saturday show. So no show Thursday. We'll be back Friday. Uh, and then Saturday will be the Ohio State preview. Friday we'll talk about, um, you know, maybe uh, some broader stuff where Michigan State is. They're solidly on the two-line for the NCAA tournament. If there's any changes in what's going on with the Big Ten in the next couple of days, we'll talk about that. 
Uh, and then if any other sort of news comes out, how's Kenny Goins doing is, is you know, things like that, we'll, uh, we'll do that. So whatever's going on in the world of MSU athletics, we'll talk about it Friday, and then we'll have an Ohio State preview on Saturday. Thanks for listening to Locked on Spartans. Sorry I ran long. Uh, follow the show on Twitter at on Spartans. Follow me on Twitter at will underscore underscore hunter one L two underscores email the show locked on Spartans at gmail.com rate review subscribe to the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to today's show reminder no show Thursday so no show tomorrow we'll be back Friday with a brand new edition of locked on Spartans until then go green.